Speaking of reliability, a podcast with good friends talking with you about reliability engineering topics. Welcome to Speaking of Reliability. This is Fred Schenkelberg. And good morning. This is Greg Hutchins. Well, Greg, you know, we were just chatting about change management. I thought I could throw a loop into this and say, so let's talk about something else and we can change it up real quick. But uh, <laughs> I, I suspect I would get some resistance. And so we kind of queued up this topic about uh, change management. And you mentioned something, you Googled, you know, how often are these things successful? And I'm curious what they define as a change management program. And then how do they judge success or not success? Well, I've been involved in a bunch of these programs over the years, bottom up, top down, and basically across the organization. And when I'm, what I often find is most of these things are extraordinarily difficult to change. Now, why? Um, I think, and I th- brought this up the other day, people in an organization were hired promoted, nurtured, and uh, reinforced for one set of behaviors. Those were the behaviors of success. They could have been defined in a policy. They could have been defined by a boss. They could have been defined by... Well, this is the way we do things here. This is people like us do things like this, and that's that's the way we do stuff. Exactly. And people don't want to change. Uh, I don't want to change. Well, I, I have a quick story about changes. <laughs> Way back when, this is in the '80s, um, a buddy and I were were early adopters of computers and and the, the very early home computer type stuff. And so we were um, always in the computer lab. It seemed like all the time. And we were at, at a and it was in the military, and we were at a school basically for a few months before we went on to our next assignment. Mm-hmm. And um, so. Somebody, I don't remember who it was, but somebody noticed that we were pretty adept at dealing with all these different software packages and, and getting adopted. But the 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 post general, the guy that was the the people at the office that was in charge of the the whole facility, had a whole bunch of admin, admins or secretaries, and they had electric typewriters, pretty nice <laughs> typewriters, and one of the aides said, hey, could you teach our secretaries how to use a computer? Because we think there'd be some advantage to that. And this woman that I got assigned to help bring on, you know, teach her how to use her computer uh, to replace her typewriter. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't know how old she was. I was in my 20s. So she was probably closer to retirement. And and she looked at me and said, I have no interest, no desire to learn this new <laughs> fancy thing. And I can type faster than you can find a document on that thing any day. And she was right. She was a very good typist. And and she knew all the forms. She knew all the formats. She knew all the stuff she needed to do. And she really didn't want to have to fuss with having to choose the font. And, you know, <laughs> just because I can put bold on a letter doesn't mean it's useful. I, I, she's like, I, we don't do that. And, um, so it was, that was a hard sale and talk about somebody not wanting the change. He was the poster child for it. It was like, I don't see what's in it for me, you know? And if you look at it in the big picture, there's 10 of us supporting this office. If you 
say this is as good as it is. You only need one of us and maybe not even one. And she was prescient with that. There's, you know, there's not a whole lot of secretaries out there typing letters for the boss anymore. Yeah. And, you know, the question is, you know, how <laughs> there are five of us in the conversation. And, you know, we had that one hour weekly, biweekly conversation. I still don't know, you know, what are the secret ingredients to get people to do things differently? Even if you do the with them, you know, what's in yeah, it for me? For me? Yeah. yeah, that doesn't always work. Yeah, it, it, there, yeah it's, um, I don't know. I, and I'm sure you've heard of it. I'm trying to think of, I think it was a book called Crossing the Chasm. Yep. Good number of years ago. And it was, there's early adopters. You, you create a new product, this new computer fangled thing comes out. And there's folks like me that jump right on it and go play with it and go, what can this do for me? What's useful? I just enjoyed the process of trying something new. Right. And there's people like that with electric vehicles when they first came out. Oh, this is cool. Let me try that. That's I'll be the cool kid on the block kind of thing. And they get something other than just transportation from buying the latest, greatest, coolest new tech or whatever it is. And then there's, the the great mass, if you're going into mass market, there's the early adopters, which are not a good surrogate to what works for everybody else. And some companies cross that and become, you know, mainstays in our consumerism and others just fold away and go, well, we're, we were good with the small market of these people were just couldn't sell it at Kmart. So we have an interesting situation right now in the U.S., probably globally. OpenAI developed ChatGPT. Uh, this week, yesterday, Chat OpenAI, OpenAI came up with the GPT store. GPT store is supposed to be once-in-a-generation method for folks to make millions of bucks. Think of it as... Uh, I didn't read it that way, Greg. It was people well, that it's for open, it's for open AI to make millions of bucks because you have to be a paying member of their <laughs> software to put anything on that store and you get, and they're still trying to figure out how they're going to compensate anybody that puts something on there. So there's, there's no guarantee that you'll make a dime because they haven't figured out if and how they're going to do that yet. We don't know how to monetize it. Exactly. Right. And so, I think there's looking at it going, you know, we can make this generic chat GPT thing and you can do all kinds of stuff. But now let's say, and then one of the examples I saw this morning in the news was um, uh, Open Trails, I think is the name of the comp the yep. organization. They basically are a catalog or index of, of and conditions and reviews of all these different hiking trails all over the world as far as all I know. over the world right so they fed that into chat gpt and then they said you know if if you are walking with a dog and you live in sacramento then here's five trails that would be interesting for you and then i guess you can prompt it a handful of other ways why well, i like ones with trees or i like one with marshes or whatever and then instead of looking through 15 or 20 different trail descriptions gpt could go oh here's probably what matches your thing it's kind of a step up from a search and uh, so I thought, well, that's a simple, direct use, and they already have the material to train it. 
and and then they have people coming to it with search patterns and so how do they i'm sure they use some of that to to feed into the feeding process or the training process and that was an example of one of them so you could have very specialized niche um ai support is the way i thought of it is that is that fair for what they're trying to create so these gpts are called agents the idea for an agent is to be able to do autonomous decision-making. The example you use is called All Trails. It's a hiking, biking, running, uh, what do you want to call it, app that was actually app of the year, iPhone app of the year in 23, last year. Yeah, it was a website for years and years. where Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Was... And they, they have these things for surfing. They have them for just about every athletic activity. Mm-hmm. But the idea basically is to take something like this and uh, uh, what do you want to call it, Uh, monetize it. Now, in this case here, and I want to go back to our original point, um, how do you change behaviors? If people can see an easy way to make money with this (laughs) GPT, people are going to jump on board very quickly and cross that chasm, to use your example. Uh, you're only going to make money is if who they're selling that service to is willing to pay for it. If the difference between the all trails AI giving mm-hmm. me exactly what I'm looking for and making the decisions, which trails I should go hike on and do I put on shoes for hiking or for walking or for running, I delegate, is it worth it to me to pay for this device or this system to make that decision mm-hmm. for me or do I want the menu and the way it's always been done I go to the website and I'm in this area and I do two three search terms for dogs with hiking trails in the shade and that works just fine or do I want it to go I want to you know I'm in Sacramento I want to walk with my dog in the shade and, and it just says go to this trail period, makes the decision for you. I don't know that that's a value proposition. I don't, I'd, I'd have to see it to believe it. I'm not an earlier adopter of that by any means. It, there was a, um, I'm drawing a blanket with the name. It was a little box and it had an agent in it and you could, it's sort of like the, you know, the, the little hockey puck, things that we got in homes now that have, I'm thinking of like uh, Siri and our phone and other things like that. You can ask uh, questions of it and it gives you search-based results. Those are building into AI also. But if, if, if my, I don't envision, and this is just me, Greg, and this might be my <laughs> resistance to change is, uh-huh. you know, I'm hungry. What restaurant should I go to tonight? It's not a question I typically ask somebody else, except my wife, of course. But uh, I'm not going to ask, a, you know, I'm going to ask for options and then consider it. Okay, what I just heard, Fred, was a detailed analysis of your, of all trails, right? What we're really talking about is how do we change behaviors? You went through a very, you know, almost linear analytical, uh, you know, mental model of changing behaviors. 
I'm simply saying that a lot of people with ChatGPT have been looking at uh, Facebook, they've been looking at YouTube, and they're saying, I can basically make a lot of money. That idea of making a lot of money very quickly is changing behaviors. Again, change management for people to, to develop quick GPTs. Now, that's easy because here we have an inducement making money. It only takes me 10 minutes, 20 minutes to come up with a GPT, and I get an immediate reward. The stimulus reward for this is very quick. Yeah. So we can change behaviors. Uh, that's true, except for the part where it's the making money part. Anybody can write a book. Only a very, very few make a living doing it. You're using a rational process. Oh, sorry. Most people are just simply <laughs> doing a visceral decision. I'm well, going to be. That's, that's sort of like, what was the, the uh, I was in the news about uh, Bitcoin. I think they're doing an exchange traded fund now. It got approved. Uh-huh from the F, F, T, whatever, some federal agency said, yeah, you can do it. But they had a leak. Uh, somebody hacked their Twitter account and said, it's going to get approved. Or maybe it was an insider job and said, it's going to be approved. And Bitcoin went up like 40% or something. It jumped, I don't know how much it was. It wasn't that much, but it went up a whole pile of it. And then it came back down when the Fed said, no, 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 no. We, we haven't finished that yet. We haven't announced it. And then the next day they announced that it is approved. And people are going, oh, I'm back into Bitcoin. I'm going to buy it. And now it's easier to buy, so it's even better. Um, Yeah, money is a motivator. There's no doubt about it, one way or the other. And opportunities, uh, think of back to California's early gold dash rays, right? Our population went from sleepy little town to megatropolis in in less than five years. People couldn't, couldn't figure out how to get here fast enough to go gold prospecting. And most of them didn't make a dime. The ones that sold the shovels did, the one that made uh, jeans that didn't wear out in the hard work, they made money. Uh, So let's go back to something that, you know, you were talking about an hour ago. You didn't like my talk that I gave this week on um, risk-based auditing. It's not that I didn't like it. I didn't didn't follow it. it It was a bit of a ramble, to be honest, I thought. Okay, the bottom line is you didn't like it, Fred. So I got it. But I, you know, just in, you know, in my monthly talks with you folks, I'm like a comedian. I try new gigs, new bits, see if they fly. If they don't, you know, (laughs) I just change I I move on. Yeah. So here's this thing. You know, there was a famous book, what, 30, 40 years ago. Are we going to sell the steak or the sizzle? Oh, yeah, yeah. Change management. Yeah. So I've tried two things last year on the same topic. My topic that I gave to you a couple of days ago on the, on the risk-based uh, auditing, uh, auditing yeah. was basically cerebral. I provided context. I provided the board point of view. I provided the SEC 10Ks, 10Qs, all that stuff. Yeah, and it was more it of felt a flat. high level. No. and It fell flat. Yeah. The, uh, the messaging and the words were not there. So I did the same thing last year. Same topic, risk-based auditing. I gave it to a UK group, but I basically, you know, sold the sizzle. And the way I sold the sizzle was, this is a way for you to double your salary. Instead of doing traditional 
systems binary audits, right, for mm-hmm. ISO systems. Make them risk-based ones, and then you can... Do yeah. risk-based. There's not as many people doing it. It's more obscure. It's more valuable. It's, it's statutory. Yeah, it's uh, You can double your salary. It takes more things. And what I did is I sold the sizzle. Yeah. Hit the ball out of the park. Yeah. So I think one of the basics for change management is sell the sizzle, sell the money, sell the reward. It, it goes back to that what's in it for me kind of thing. If they can see that, and I think that's your point with this yep. GPT store is that people are going to go, oh, there's something yep. in this for me. It's not just a toy anymore. Right? And it's immediate. The stimulus response reward is immediate. They can see that. Uh, okay. And feel it. <laughs> yeah. It's visceral. Yeah. No, the feeling is that it's, it's, I equate it to the sizzle in a, a casino is, is that it's not that you're actually going to win any money. The sizzle is that you might. No, the sizzle in a casino are the colors, the flashing, the, you know, the, the, the flashing of the lights, whatever they call it, yeah. and the noise and the excitement. That's the sizzle. You know, it's the, you know, the things coming up, you know, when you pull that lever, right? It's visceral. You pull that level. And then the, lever. You know, would always, you know, I asked one of the, I was at a conference and I was part of the hotel liaison, working with the hotel liaison on it. And I says, so you guys make these electronic um, slot machines. And why does it take so long for you to get a result? You know, you push the button, it should just tell you whether you won or lost right on the spot. Why is it? bang and crash and tinkle and flash lights at you for some amount of time. And he goes, well, that's what we're selling is that delay. That's the sizzle. That's the sizzle part. It's the delay. If you get an instant answer, it's not all that exciting. But if I have opportunity in California's uh, uh, lottery system was advertising, it's the, the dreaming part while you don't know if you won or not. Um, But the, Part of the change management is, to me, is sell the sizzle. What's in it for them? What's the future state going to look like? How will that make a difference? What's the opportunities that it presents? I think that's what you're getting at. Is yes. more, I, I was approaching it as, and in my experience has been, change management is often 90% marketing and 10% details. Um, and then like our last podcast, it's a whole lot of contingency plans. <laughs> what we plan to do is probably need adjusting as we go. And uh, I find the better change management projects have, here's what we're trying to achieve. And here's the values that support that direction we're going and what we're, why it's important to this, our company, our customers, our culture, all that stuff. And everything's negotiable except for the values. And then we're often and to create the change that we're trying to accomplish. Um, it may go many different directions, many different forms and be um, uh, robust to all the different perturbations that occur. Yet, if you have a, a team that has a common vision and a direction that they want or an objective they're trying to achieve, a lot of things can change. At least that's been my experience. So, you know, I'll give you one last example that I have to live, that we're living with daily. Mm -hmm. We're designing software. 
uh, we're designing software UI UX, user interface, user experience, so that it's gaming. Now, I don't know if you're a gamer, Fred. I don't. I suspect you're not. Because when you said gaming, I was thinking of wild game that's gone a little rancid. But, uh. nah, 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 just gaming. <laughs> you know, it's just you know, you know, it could be a single shooter, whatever it is. I think you're too cerebral to do gaming. Yeah. But we're trying to design a a uh, app that basically is like I don't know, it's like cocaine, right? It's addictive. And part of this thing, the secret, is coming up with an SR, stimulus response reward loop. Mm -hmm. So that not only do you push the button, but you get some type of reward. You get for points that. or you get a badge so, or you exactly. get Exactly. It's called gamifying or whatever it is. You yeah. get a badge, you get some type of reward. Yeah. That's, again, a form of change management. You're changing behaviors. Well, Tom Peters talked about that in, in Search of Excellence. Mm -hmm. We have a deep library, Greg, between the two of us. We reference stuff that's been out of print for 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> that's because we're a little too old, but yeah, at least Apologies I to our audience. But <laughs> one of the things Tom Peters talked about is, is, and he wasn't the inventor of it, is managed by walking around. And yep. he said, one of the problems with walking around is that too many people go around looking for people doing something wrong. They're, they're not doing their job correctly. They're treating a customer inappropriately. They're doing whatever. And then they chastise them. So that builds a culture of fear. Anytime the boss is walking around, he's looking for somebody to yell at. And what he recommended is that you deliberately consciously go find people doing things right. They're doing their job. They're, they're doing their job well. And, congratulate them. And then he said, it's not like you're making them, you know, employee of the month or anything like that. You don't have to take their picture or give them a plaque or anything else. Just, uh, you know, I don't know if it's, um, but it was uh, one of the recommendations is just get a little slip of paper and pull it out of your pocket and write down, thanks, you're doing your job well. And maybe a detail or two about it, date, sign it, hand it to them. And so I did that. I, five slips of paper that I was going to go find five of my folks that were in my team doing something right and mention it to them and hand them a <laughs> record of it. And so the very first one was my supply sergeant and he was doing something with a couple of uh, soldiers and, and it was handling it efficiently and taking, listening to them and taking care of, of what needed to be done and, and doing everything right. And so he had a moment and I, said, hey, I want to just mention you did that really well and gave him the slip of paper. And he looked at it and went, what's this for? <laughs> <laughs> you know, he, he's like, what? And and I said, and, and in, the, in the Army at that time, our review process was based on uh, 125 points. Everybody got 125 points. It was kind of a bogus reviews. You had to really screw up to get 120 points and then you wouldn't get promoted anymore. But it was, <laughs> it was, it was bogus system. Everybody knew that. And so I, Oh, this is a, a bonus point for your review, your annual review. And you're like, Oh, okay. He was hoping for maybe a cup of coffee or something. I don't know. Um, <laughs> and, and so, you know, every month or every couple of months I'd walk around and do this. And I don't, I never kept track of how many I handed out or did anything else. But I noticed though, after doing it like four or five times, 
and it wasn't a very big team, so there wasn't a lot of people. And then they obviously talked to each other. It was, it really broke the ice of, oh, the boss is walking around. Oh, we got to, you know, stand up straighter, do this or do that. I actually learned a whole lot more because they were much more willing to talk to me about what the issues were, problems they were having, you know, things that were going on. Um, because I rarely ever gave away a, you're not doing this right, you know, deal. And so at my going away, when I was coming out of command of that and we had a get together, I asked one of them, said, do you ever get one of those, you know, uh, attaboy slips? And, and uh-huh. every one of my soldiers had them in their purse or their, or their wallet. And they had the story behind every single event that occurred. And some had three or four, some had two or three. And it, it was such a simple thing to do, but it changed the culture of that team. So that again is a great example of change management. Yeah. Yeah. It, it can be simple and it's, and, and there's way more to it, right? I think there's, there's, you can get a whole PhD in change management and be really bad at it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, like that sometimes. Yeah. So we, I mean, we were only scratching the surface on it and there's some things going on now that we talked about like chat GPT and others, but the, the idea is that there's gotta be some poll or reason or sense for why and how it goes. And there's techniques for encouraging change in behaviors and stuff. I don't think it's easy at all. Uh, so we're just scratching the surface out. If you're listening to this and thinking, well, I, you know, what about this? What about that? Or how's this work? Or what do you think of this idea? Let us know. We love that kind of stuff. And uh, you can head over to ascendoreliability.com slash go slash SOR. There's a, a voice recording gadget there that you can leave us a voicemail, basically, or you can send us a text message or a, a written message. Greg and I and the other hosts are available through LinkedIn and our about pages on Ascendo. So plenty of ways for you to get in touch. And we look forward to, you know, what challenges you're seeing in, in getting things done or getting changes implemented and so on. And, and what's worked for you, even uh, more enlightening, as we love to share those to help other people in what they're trying to get accomplished. Um, so with that, Greg, I think... Uh, <laughs> I'm just thinking I, I'm my brain's spinning here because there's so much more to change management than, than what we just brushed into, but uh, for the, for another day. Yes. Now is it a sendo or a shendo? Am I mispronouncing it? Like I always do. Well, yeah, I, I've been corrected a couple of times and it's f- um, from people <laughs> that either studied Latin or, ha- or studied Italian. And the word ascendo, spelled exactly the way it is on the site, is the Italian word from a Latin origin, uh, spelled almost identically, and pronounced as far as anybody knows identically, is to illuminate. And that's the definition of why I picked that term. And they this double consonants in Latin uh, is a different pronunciation than the individual letter. So C, C is not ascendo. With that con- or pronunciation of it, that language uses that construction to, to mean the CC part becomes shend, shendo. 
So as I can see what's happening. I pronounce niche, niche, but I can see that in about another week or so, you're going to be uh, correcting me and saying, no, Greg, it's niche. <laughs> it's potato or potato. As long as you come to the site and learn something, I'm happy with that. So it's, it's... Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Greg, we'll talk to you again soon. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Speaking of Reliability. We invite you to join the conversation if you have a question or a topic that you think we should discuss in a future show please let us know. You can find a comment box below the episode show notes or just leave a note as part of a review on iTunes.